the volume. This Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Why do I love FanDuel? Let me tell you. Because it's America's number one sportsbook. I like facts. I like knowing that they are number one in the space. There's also amazing odds and markets for the NBA, NHL, CBB, and so much more. It's also safe and secure and super quick payouts. You get your winnings delivered as quickly as two hours. It's amazing. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Renee so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Heyo! What up, everybody? How's it going? I always feel like the neighborhood as soon as I hit the record button to be like, to like bring a certain amount of energy. You don't have to do that. It could just be a, hey guys, how are you? Hello, welcome to the show. Maybe I should start a little more calmly like a uh, Frasier style. I'm a huge Frasier fan, so I don't know. Something to think about. Well, think about it. What do you guys think? Do we need as much energy? Should I like calm down a little bit? I don't know. I don't know. I'm having a moment of reflection and I'm talking about it out loud. Today's episode, I have Lindsay Dorado on the show with me. Um, He's been pretty minimal in the interviews that he has done since parting ways with WWE and he had tweeted it out there that he wanted to either come on my show, Jericho's show, and continue to tell some of his story. So I brought him on. Of course I want him on. Yes, dude. You know, with our time in WWE, it's like we all spend so much time together. I feel like I talk about this all the time. I'm like beating the dead horse. But it's like, you know, you are family, but you don't really always get that much time during the day, during a show day to like really shoot the shit with people to like really get their story. And that was it for me with uh, with Lindsay is, you know, I was trying to like look some stuff up, trying to figure out what we were going to talk about. And I'm like, mm, there's not a lot out there about him other than wrestling stuff. So we really got in to some pretty deep stuff about how he was raised, uh, where he comes from, his own family, his kids, his wife his work ethic, the things that he wants to do, the things that he has done, the things that, you know, really are the fibers that make up Lindsay Dorado. So yeah, we really got to get into some cool stuff. I learned a ton about this dude today. So uh, you guys are going to as well. Here we go. This is Lindsay Dorado. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy this is finally happening. I kept kind of wondering, like, when when are we going to get to do this interview? What's going to happen? I know you've been pretty, like, selective about where you wanted to hop on and who you wanted to talk to um, since parting ways with WWE. But how have you been, dude? What's going on? Sure. I've been I've been great. Honestly, I, I feel exactly how I thought I was going to feel after leaving, asking for my departure. 
And honestly, and you know this, like when you have family, you got somebody to go home to, you got those little ones that like wrestling just looks different now for me. So uh, I love it. I love my life right now. It really is crazy how that happens when like that switch sort of happens and people warn you about not warn you, but like people tell you like when you have kids and you've got your family, like everything changes, your priorities change, um, where things kind of rank in your head completely change. It's really incredible. I was scared to have kids, though, Renee. I'm not going to lie. I was that kind of guy that I was like, I'm not going to have no kids. I see my life going one way. Uh, and then college happened and literally on graduation, you get the news like, Hey, you're about to be a father. Cause I didn't have a father growing up. I had a stepfather, but it was, it, there was a total disconnect once you realize that he's not your real dad. So like for me, all of those lessons that I learned from him, like completely went out the door. I was like, I felt so lied to. So like all of those lessons of being a father, I never had, didn't know how to be an adult, never knew how to buy a suit until, you know, my entry to WWE was my first time. Like even as a teacher, I never had a suit. I struggled just like everybody else. But at the end of the day, I made it work. I always made it work. I had to make it work. Let's roll things way back because here's the th- I feel like nobody knows anything about you. They just know Lindsay. They don't know anything about the guy underneath the mask. And any interview, that's why I've been so selective. Any interview I've ever at or have asked to been on, they ask you the general wrestling questions and that doesn't interest me. A lot of people, even in WWE, didn't know I can speak English. Yeah. How crazy is that? that? Like the people in WWE assume that you couldn't speak English. That's crazy. Oh, my God. Day one. I remember. Actually, I remember we debuted in Memphis. And then like the next week we were going to Canada and somebody I'm not going to say who it was, but he was like, hey, brother, you got your green card. And I'm like, I'm from New Jersey, like <laughs> born and raised American. I'm just Puerto Rican in America. Like it was a bad disconnect. People like not understanding who I was. A lot of people not understanding that I could speak English, let alone was a math teacher, parent of four. You know, like I, there was a lot of things about me that I wish was out there. I don't know how you and John feel about it, but I felt at first putting my family out there was like, I didn't want that information out there. I didn't want, and it wasn't because I was hiding anything. It was just more like, I wanted that disconnect from wrestling. So like, I never posted about them on my social media until recently. Now I came to that realization that everything I do is for my family. Yeah, it's a means of providing everybody. And it's a difference. Like when you are successful in professional wrestling, I mean, it's such a difference in like what your lifestyle is that you're going to be able to provide to your family. But it's also incredibly time consuming. It's so difficult on your body. There, I mean, there's so many different factors that kind of weigh into it that really make you take a step back and go like, okay, like, is my time away right now worth it? But I'm making this money that will be great for my family for later. It can really put you in like a weird spot while also still, you know, being a human being trying to achieve your own dreams as well. I mean, those things all factor in together. Um, do you feel like a lot of the guys that were brought in through the Cruiserweight tournament into 205 Live, do you feel like a lot of those guys felt that same way as you did? If people just not knowing who you guys all were, like truly? Honestly, no. And I'm going to say no because you could look at them and there was no language barrier. Like you could look at them and be like, oh, they, they spoke English or they could speak English. So, like, right off the bat, people felt comfortable talking to them, you know. I still felt when I left the same way I felt going into WWE, like I was from the Indies, you know, my mindset, like I didn't live extravagant or anything. I lived, you know, I got my bare minimum and start paying that off right away. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the guys like 
we still had that mindset, like we were on the indies. And I think that's why, like, once they got let go, it was an easy transition back. And I try to have this conversation with somebody else. I said, it wasn't like they were bad wrestlers. Some of them were just bad businessmen. Like they were just stuck being the wrestler rather than like the businessman. For me, I thought that's what helped me out. Like I knew like there was something special about us. Mm -hmm. So like now I put that wrestling aside and I was like, let us, let us be businessmen so we can get as much money and provide for our family. And that was my main concern. Get as much money as fast as I can provide for my family because I don't know how long I will last. You know, I got hurt last week going into the ring, Renee. Oh. The ring was fine. Everything was fine. I just literally was just bloop. But you know what I was more scared? Of? I was more scared of like calling my girl and like giving her that like, you know, or your kids could get over it because like, you know, they're like, oh, daddy's hurt again, but you know, I'm going to take care of him. But like your girl's the one that's like, well, how serious is it? Because she knows I'm either going to downplay it or just not make it a big deal because I also know my body, but I also know I need my body to make my money. I get that for sure. There's times like that with John where like I'll be watching things and I'm like, oh, was this OK? Like, how was this bump? Like, especially when there's like chairs involved. I hate chair bumps. Those stress me out so much. So sometimes he comes home and I'm like, OK, let me get like the full assessment. Because sometimes on the phone, he's like, easy money, babe. All good. All good. Like that's his like go to line that makes me like more suspicious. I'm like, wait, are you actually OK? I don't know. Like I know Mox a long time before WWE. And he's always been the same dude. Like even when I was in WWE with him, like he was the same dude. I was like, this dude is cool. He knows exactly what he wants. And like, you know, like he gets it. Like he gets who he is. He gets yeah. wrestling. Good. How is he as a father? It's always growing and changing, especially now that like, we're in such a rhythm with her and she, her little personality is shining. And she's like, she's a very happy, easy baby. You know, figuring out like what her cues are going to be like for me, I'm like that cry means she's hungry. That cry means she's tired. So me trying to like give like that, like mom and me trying to like pass that off to John sometimes. It's funny watching him, I guess, just like learn her and develop that like relationship with her. It's like that father daughter relationship. It's unlike anything else. My first two children were my my girls. How old are your kids? Woo. Okay. I'm about to have a 16 year old. What? And then I have a, a 11 year old. She'll be 12 in October. And then my two boys, I'll have a, a nine year old in April and a 12 year old in October. So I got two April birthdays oh. and two October birthdays, but my 16 year old, well, she'll be 16 in April. Wow. So like I told you earlier, I was graduating. I found out I was having a baby. But I was with my girl who I'm with right now, and she had a kid from a um, you know prior relationship. God, you guys have been together a long time. I always told her, I said, I would have made it, but you made it easier for me yeah. to make it. So we made it. Are you guys married or no? Yes, we just got married. And I was very scared about that, too. You know, Not because <laughs> of her, point, because why? of my family. Like just growing up, I never saw a functional relationship. But yeah. she had a, a, a child of uh, three years old when I had met her from a previous relationship. And I had fell in love with this little girl. You know, me and her have been best friends ever since. I love my babies. Like I love, and it's, like I said, she's not my biological daughter, but she's always been my daughter. I wanted my kids to have love. I didn't have love when I was younger. I love the feeling when my kids just walk around my house and say, daddy, I love you and just walk Aww. away. Hey guys, if you're here listening to the sessions, thank you. Hello. Hi. And 
You love some combat sports? Well, be sure to check out Boxing with Chris Mannix. It's every Friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing, UFC, and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport, and he's here every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix only here on the Volume Podcast Network. I want to run things back with you. You've talked about your childhood a little bit, but let's get into it because I know you've not really spoken about much of this before. But what was your childhood like? What was it like growing up for you? What was your household like and not experiencing love the way that you say you're trying to to portray in your own home my my stepdad's name is tito i'm still very close with him he's actually my kids call him big boss man because he's a correctional officer he's my dad you know but long story short i didn't understand that tito was not dad then i have this conversation with my family and find out that my dad my real dad is in jail he's been in jail since i've been one at that time pettiness drugs you know i mean he was on some stuff but like at the end of the day he did his time And I guess at that point he was coming out and they, you know, I was old enough to know, Hey, this is not your dad. This is your stepdad. He's just my partner, my husband or my, my boyfriend. And, uh, your dad, he's coming out of jail. You about to meet your dad for the first time. And Renee, I can honestly tell you, like from my memory, my personal memory, I could probably count on two hands. How many times I actually spent time with my dad. As years pass on, like that, that relationship kind of gets better. He, but he keeps going in and out of jail. I had told him, basically, I was 12 years old. I said, I'm going to give you one more chance. And then after this, you out of my life. Like, I was angry. So we left like not how I wanted to be. You know, February comes. And I had, was hanging out at my friend Matt's house. I was young. You know, my, my friend at that time was my friend Matt. And I was calling in, checking in my mom. And I said, hey, mom, just checking in. Tell me what time I got to be home. And she's like, you know, come home, dinner time, whatever. By the way, I just want to let you know, your dad called. He was looking for you. And at that time, also my mom and me didn't see eye to eye on what the relationship should have been like for me and my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, she always talked down about him. But again, I see by example. So if you treat me good, I think you're a good person. You do whatever you want outside of the, like out of this conversation or this interaction. That's on you. If you treat me good, then we good. So I played it off to her. I said, yeah, okay, whatever, mom, don't worry. Uh, all right, I'll see you at dinner time. I hung up the phone fast. And I said, yo, I know he's staying at my grandma's house. And I was like, boom, called her quick. And I said, hey, grandma, I'm like, where's pop? My mom said he's out. Like, I, I just want to speak to him. And she said, ah, tuto. That's what she calls me, tuto. She's like, ah, tuto. And, you know, he wanted to see you and Jody, my sister. But um, he couldn't get a hold of y'all. So he's going to surprise y'all tomorrow. He went out with his friends. And I said, all right, that's fine. Um, you know, I'll, tell, I'll just call tomorrow or, or I'll tell grandma or mom to pick me up or whatever. So then the next day happens, I go to school. So when I got home, my mom was like, yo, we got to talk. And then my mom's like, your dad's dead. I 100% thought they were joking with me. I was like, I literally thought you told me yesterday. This dude came out of jail. He was wanted to come see me. After I talked shit about him in December at the jail saying like, if you do this again, like we done. That was my last interaction with him. And you telling me he's dead? And they're like, yeah, they found him um, slumped over. I guess somebody had poisoned him, uh, his drink. He was slumped over in the toilet with his shit all messed up. And that's how they found him. How does a kid interpret that? Like what went through your brain 
Like, that's really scary. That's so scary. You got to also understand, like, where I grew up, I'm not saying that stuff was normal, but, like, murder, violence, that stuff was normal. But you also don't expect it to be, like, in your house or your family. But then, like, when it hits home and it's, like, the father figure and it's, like, the one that you're craving attention for just to, like, wake up and be like, yo, pop, let me guess, let's go play outside. Like, I never had that interaction with my, even my stepdad, I never had that interaction so I make sure like now that my kids, like I'll go out, I'll, I'll literally drop everything. I don't care what I'm doing, like making gear or make like making dinner. Yo, you want to go outside? You want my attention? I got you. Because yeah. I know I never had that. Yeah. And like that stuff sticks with you too, you know? I mean, obviously, you know, but it's like, you know, when you're a kid and you, all you want is your parents' attention. You want your mom's attention. You want your dad's attention. I mean, those are how we learn how to be human beings. So for you to not have those relationships, I mean, that stuff really rough. I don't blame anybody else. Like at first I had some beef with my mom. I'm not going to lie. Like me and her, like we butt heads, but it's because we the same person. And, um, it wasn't her fault that I didn't get or feel like I got love from her because yeah, she was a single parent. It was like a hustle, you know, in my house, my stepdad eventually was in the picture and like really worked his ass off. Like, but because of that, there was like no no vacation. I never had a vacation in my life. I'm about to be 35. I've never taken a vacation in my life. You know, I don't know what that's like because I feel like I don't have that pleasure because I have to provide. I have to like work hustle mode all the time, all yeah. the time. What is your relationship like with your mom now having gone through these things and now having your own kids? Have you guys been able to have more of a relationship together or not so much? Not so much. Honestly, no. I'm very, uh, distant from my family. And this was before WWE. Like I was just very distant from my family. I just felt different. I felt I was in search for something. I'll have this like come to Jesus moment when I'm a little bit too lit. And I just want to, you know, reach out to my mom and say like, I don't really want to have a conversation, but I just want to say, I love you. And then, you know, it turns into a conversation. And sometimes it's a good one. Sometimes it's just like, ah, I should have just left it at, I love you. And that's it. My kids don't have a relationship with my mom. They know my grandmom is my grandmom. And they know who my mom is, but they don't have a relationship with her. So when you had your own kids and having kids at a young age too, what were some of the things right off the bat that you knew that you wanted to do as a parent? I wanted a house for sure. I wanted them to have a place to be safe and come home if anything were to happen. And, uh, you know, I wanted to have a car so that way they could get to everywhere. Because as a teacher, when I moved down to Florida in 2010, I didn't get a car to 2016. I was busting it. I was taking rides. I was hustling to get from, you know, where I was at to my high school where I taught or the college I taught at. I was getting it. Like, you know, we were making it work or me and my girl would take the bus or a cab to go uh, food shopping. But again, we had to make it work because if not, we weren't going to eat, you know, and we paid all of that through teaching and wrestling. Like, that's all I know, like teaching and wrestling. So I wanted to make sure that my kids understood like, yo, the hustle game is definitely strong. I wanted to lead really good examples for my kids. And I, I've never yelled at my kids. I've never grabbed my kids. Like we have conversations when things go wrong in my house. Like yeah. I want to know why they did it. Like, why do you think that was a good idea? Like, no, really, I want to understand why. And we'll have great adult in-depth conversations. And I'm talking like my eight-year-old or nine-year-old, like he can come to have this like moment where like, oh, wow, I was wrong. And I never see them make the same mistake twice, yeah. you know? And they're so respectful. Anybody that's ever like interacted with my kids backstage or like just in general, they always say, wow, your kids are so respectful. They always say yes or no. They don't say yeah or nah. Like, especially like for me, like 
if they're messing up or something and they're like, yeah, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't understand you. And they're like, yes. I'm like, okay, good. Like, <laughs> talk to me. Let's go. Let's talk. Yeah, let's talk. When did wrestling start to be a thing for you? I mean, if you're going through, you know, all of these different things that these hurdles that you've had to go through already as a kid, when did wrestling start to become that bright spot for you as a focus or deciding like, Hey, I want to be doing this. I mean, you mentioned kindergarten. Um, were you, were you super obsessed with watching all wrestling at that point? I was obsessed with like Lucha Libre and Puerto Rican wrestling. So like I was like, again, my grandfather introduced me to Lucha Libre and Mexican wrestling. And to me, that was like sport though. And there was no real story. I mean, there were stories, but like not real, like whatever. Like you just saw action. Renee, 94, my uncle, Mike, from my stepdad's side, brought over this VHS tape. And I don't know if you remember, but like the VHS tape, if you fast forward it, like while it's in play, you can see the whole thing and yeah. fast forward. Uh-huh. My brain is melting. He's doing that to me. My brain is melting. This is the 94 Royal Rumble. And my, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, what is this? Like, this is the craziest thing. And then he pauses it and he goes, watch this. And it's the Undertaker versus Yoko casket match. Instantly hooked right there. That's when I knew I was like, nothing else matters in this world. This is what I want to do. And then, um, you know, I did the backyard wrestling thing with a lot of guys. I ain't going to call no one out what that is on the main roster. Uh-huh. Um, that we did backyard wrestling. We had, a, yeah. we built the ring. We had mats. The first time I did the shooting star press was off a chair in the backyard. Oh like, my God. Yeah. So then uh, I was, I was 16. It was me and a couple other guys, but I was the youngest. I was 16 and we had a backyard wrestling show. And I remember we had a guy from ECW. His name was Tommy. And I, I'm looking at his name, but I can't remember, but he wrestled in ECW, but he came to our show. Not Tommy, and, uh, Dreamer, somebody else. No, not Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> not Tommy yeah. Dreamer. I'm looking at him and I can't, I can't say his name off the top of my head. But um, he basically was like, you six, you should go to the ECW arena. They have a wrestling school in there and go ahead and, and check it out. They actually do shows. And I was like, what are, what do you mean? Like WWE comes in there, WWF comes in there. He's like, no, uh, you know, independent wrestling. So I was like, the hell is this? Now all my friends kind of knew about it, but I was like, again, focus, like, this is the goal. Like go to WWF at that point. And then, so we went to a show for CZW. Now at that point, I don't know, Moxie's from CZW. Like, you know about CZW. Oh, yeah. So it could be kind of crazy at uh-huh. CZW, but CZW could also be very lit and have some like banger matches, Renee. And if I had went to any other show that they were holding besides this one, I probably would not be wrestling. But I went to their show called Best of the Best and I saw two dudes in there that blew my mind. And it was Ruckus and Claudio Clastagnoli. Yeah. And I was like, these guys are stars like this is a like to me i was like forget wwf like this is this is where i want to go the wrestling was awesome they had great personality and i was like sign me up this is the wrestling school i want to go to like let's go let's do it right now so we had a great conversation with uh claudio hero uh a bunch of other guys that were in there and the next week we signed up that's so crazy i mean claudio's got to be what he's only a couple years older than you right he must have been like a baby Yo, he he just came from like Switzerland, yeah. like maybe two years in. He was still training actually too yeah. as well. But like, you know, Claudio's Claudio. Like he's Claudio's the man. Claudio so is a superhero. Yeah. My gosh. And I always <laughs> say like, 
one of the best dudes. I give him credit for help training me as well, uh, among some other guys. But, you know, I'm very, very proud to say, yeah, that dude helped train me like and one of the best wrestlers, if not the best wrestler in the world. I said it out there. Yep. Just to take like a quick little deviation since we're talking about Claudio, what do you think Claudio should do right now? He's not under contract with WWE. I'm sure he's getting called up by everybody because he is the absolute best of the best. But for somebody that I feel like has never gotten that huge moment that he so rightfully deserves, what do you think Claudio should do? He'll go anywhere and become the guy. But there always will be somebody and say, well, he didn't do it in WWE. But at the end of the day, it don't matter. It depends on how he feels. And him leaving tells me like, and knowing him, tells me that like he's leaving for himself. So no matter what he does, he's going to be happy with any company would benefit from Claudio, whether it's a a wrestling role, teaching role, anything that you gets it a thousand and ten percent. If it was me, though, I would love to see Claudio kill it in New Japan or impact. And the only reason I say that is there's no difference for him in AEW. I feel like not that he would be in the same spot, but I think he don't benefit AEW and AEW don't benefit him at this moment. I get that because, I mean, their roster is stacked. There's so many people over there that, yeah, I mean, it's like adding another gigantic name. And as much as, you know, everybody knows how awesome Claudio is. But yeah, I think him being able to take a little time, maybe go out, do a little G1, send him send him to Japan, see what happens over there. When he was in Japan, he did a lot of tag stuff yeah. with Hero. Yeah. So like to go back now and like be solidified as like, yo, I can I did everything from tags, six man tags, hardcore, mat, all this. But now I'm going to be the singles guy. Yeah. Watch me. Get that and like. A Claudio hero, a Claudio hero run. Like, yeah. oh my God. I actually, yeah. so he came out to Sledgehammer. Yeah. Um, was <laughs> yeah. it, and I was like, I almost tweeted. I was like, will we ever see or hear this again? Because I love that song <laughs> because so of him. Good. Fight fans, throw your best haymaker with a risk-free first bet from FanDuel Sportsbook. Even if your fighter gets knocked out or tapped out, new customers get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up with the promo code Renee and you'll be able to bet on all the biggest boxing matches and UFC fights. FanDuel offers all your favorite bets. Choose from the money line to the method of victory to which round the fight will end and so much more. You can even parlay different fight bets together. The bigger the parlay, the bigger your potential payout becomes. FanDuel is America's number one sports book and is now live in New York. New Yorkers get on this. This is the number one sports book in America. You want to be a part of this. The app is so easy to use. And when you win, you're going to get paid in as little as two hours to place your first bet risk-free. Just sign up with the promo code Renee and make every fight night mean more with FanDuel Sportsbook app. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. 
Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. You're in wrestling. You go to ECW, join their promotion or join their training and whatnot there. Um, but the goal was always to get to WWE. So when the opportunity comes up for the Cruiserweight Classic Tournament, what all kind of transpired with that? You got eliminated what second round and then were offered a contract after that? Yeah. Again, got to thank one of the good brothers, Claudio, for putting my name out there. Uh, I also helped that I was in Florida already. So, you know, WWE was like, okay, cool. I ain't got to pay nothing. Did you move to Florida because of wrestling or you moved down there because of teaching? No, I moved down there because my daughter was going to be born in Florida. And again, I didn't want to be that dad to, to not be in her life. I just wrote about this in my book, which I'm writing. Oh. And I was 27, 28 and I make gear. And I just like had this epiphany that I was like, man, I did a lot of things. Like to me at that time, 30 was like the no, no number. Like people were talking about. So like, if you didn't make it by then you weren't making it. And, you know, I had this like moment where I was like 27, 28. And, uh, you know, I was talking to my girl. I said, yo, this number's approaching. And if I don't get signed by WWE, I did Japan. I did impact like spot shows for them. You know, I did Mexico. I did everything I could. Maybe that's what life had like given me. So I think uh, Claudio and Gabe Sapolsky had put in my name, you know, cause I had worked with Gabe before with Evolve and Dragon Gate USA and all these other promotions. And, um, you know, he, he saw me as a good talent and saw me, you know, as an opportunity for maybe for me to sink or swim. And that's all I wanted to do. Like, I just wanted an opportunity. I didn't want yeah. to push or anything. Let me sink or swim on my own. Like, if I fail, at least I fail on my own. After the first round, after wrestling Ali, which we killed it in five minutes, and it, everybody, we had the shortest amount of time, too, in, in the Cruiserweight Classic first round. And we felt disrespected. But at the same time, we're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's show them that we don't need that much time to go out and kill it. Mm-hmm. Let me show them, like, what Cruiserweight style is, like, just in and out. And that's what got me my contract. I think the match, how we how we were able to do, you know, time management, how we were able to put it together, because me and Ali, we thought WWE before WWE. Like when we put our matches together, yeah, we had some crazy spots, but like it was always about the moment. And um, right after the first round, they had a meeting and I saw all the good brothers like get called up like, hey, we need this guy, that guy. And you know what they were getting called up for? Like they were getting offered a contract, but you don't hear your name. And you're like, damn, I, I made it to the second round. I couldn't even get a, like, hey, good job. Or like a, a contract, like, you know, a contract would be nice. Yeah. But anyway, I was making Bailey's gear. And uh, I remember a 203 number had called me and i never seen a 203 number in my life. And I picked up and I said, hello. And he goes, hi, is this Lindsay? And I go, yeah, who's this? And he goes, it's Darren. Regal? I go, who? And he goes, William Regal. <laughs> And I go, oh, hold on one second. I said, Mr. Regal, you got to apologize. My brother is a piece of shit. I'm sorry. Uh, How can I help you? And he's like, yeah, uh, basically, we want to offer you a contract. So if anybody's talked to you, please, you know, at least hear us out after the second round. I said, thank you very much. I played it off very cool. I was like, Uh super cool. I got off that phone. I called everybody and my mother. I said, yo, we're about to go to the Fed. We're about to get signed, baby. I don't care what they say. We're about to get signed. Then impacted me up. I said, let me entertain this. I like this. I like, I like to see the options. Yeah. And they said, Hey, we have an idea. Can you come in Tuesday? And this was the same week as the first round of WWE, uh, the Cruiserweight Classic, which was taped on a Thursday. So I'm at impact on Tuesday and I wrestled Mandrews as uh, my other character because I didn't want to jeopardize anything with Lindsay for, I wanted him for the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah. And Renee, we banged it. We killed it. Mm -hmm. 
Like, <laughs> I bet. like people want, and I wasn't even signed to the company and they were like, yo, let's do it. And I remember, um, homie snow and a couple other guys came up to me, offered me a contract and right there on the spot, I was like, I said, thank you very much for the offer, but I'm going to get signed by WWE. And this is before even having that conversation with oh WWE. My God, oh my God. Oh my God. So again, I'm manifesting all of this. I'm like, if it, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be like, so we show up to that second round. We wrestled. I wrestled Rich Swan. Love my dude that I saw him yesterday. Like I'd do anything for that dude. He was the one that also told me that I was going to get signed. I was like, nah, you lying. Shut up. And then um, I hear my name get called at the end. And I was teaching at this time. And I was already like seven years in teaching. In my head, I said, y'all can offer me $1 more than my contract for teaching. And I take it. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what it is. I'll take it $1 more. But it's got to be more than my teaching contract. So when you had to make that decision to jump from being a teacher into professional wrestling, what were the conversations you were having at home with you and your wife? For sure. One was like, why are we getting paid more? Because like yeah. we were struggling, like I said, and everybody struggles. But like it really was like we had a two bedroom townhouse living four people in like, you know, it was very hard. So when we had that little bit of boost income, it was like, let's get the necessities set up. So that way we're good. It was also hard for me professionally because I saw so many teachers leave when I was teaching, because Florida is a transitional school for not only students, but teachers. And I would see students have a substitute for like four months, three months. And I was like, damn, they're not learning anything. And I didn't want to be that teacher to just bounce. But I didn't feel like I was inspiring kids to like want to be here. I would have great, great rapport with my kids. Like they loved coming to my class because they, they didn't come to a math class. They came to Mr. Cordero's class who was going to be yeah it was math but like damn i'm gonna have a good time i'm gonna feel like not like i'm in school you know i'm gonna entertain them as a teacher that's that's how i practice entertaining yeah. through teaching when you got into wwe and um your you know 205 live becomes a thing um lucha house party becomes a thing you never got any mic time do you really wish that that was something that you were able to do to add more layers to your character. I know that that was a thing that had been, uh, you know, a bit of a point of frustration for, I believe all of you for in Lucha house party is like not, not really getting that time, not getting these layers to your character. Do you think that um, being able to jump on the mic would have helped a little bit, especially for you? Every time they did let us on the mic, we killed it. I know toward the end, me and me and metallic were like, especially with riddle, I felt like yeah. we were killing it. And especially we were given suggestions that they were like, yeah, let's do that. And I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. And like, yeah, there were little battles that were won, but like the fact that they were like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do that. Like made it seem like, Hey, maybe I know what I'm doing. Let me kind of like, let me do my thing. But honestly, Renee, man, I just felt like I felt the rule. I felt like I wasn't meant to do anything else because anything we ever pitched that was cool or different or revolutionary that I always thought was revolutionary just wasn't for us. Yeah. No, we just don't need that right now. Or like, like no, what? I didn't want us to be in gear for any promos. I was like, let us be like Santo and Blue Demon. Let us be like a society of luchadors of like, you know, dignity and, and like respect and hard. I wanted us to be like hard, like a male version of Charlie's Angels where they could be cool and sexy and badass, but still like get shit done and exciting yeah. and interact with each other. And uh, the original Lucha House Party idea, like we, we wanted our own like mansion, like not mansion, like our own little like hot spot. We had a, like a legit set that we wanted that wasn't like cost effective. Like everything that I, I literally walked through the props truck and I was like, all right, you got this. I could do that with that. You got this. Cool. Let me come back in a, two weeks with an idea and 
be like, look, you ain't got to pay for nothing. Like y'all got it here. It would just was like, oh, these are great ideas. Just not for you or any Lucha guy right now. We just need Lucha Lucha. And I remember they would give Manny like promos and like no lines for us in the back because, you know, he had the equity. So they gave him the lines and we were just left to do the Lucha Lucha at the end to the point where I had to have that conversation with somebody. I'm like, hey, I'm talking to you just like I would talk online. Like, can we could you throw in some other lines other than Lucha Lucha? Like there's more presence to that. And even toward the end, when we had promos and they wanted us to bust out Lucha Lucha, I would tell Metallic, like at the end, don't say Lucha Lucha. Just say yeah to their face and then be like, nah, just don't do it. Like at the end and let them just cut it. And when they ask us like, oh, are you guys going to say Lucha Lucha? I'm like, no, like we just don't feel like we're not into it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, nah, it just felt like a role. That is WWE. Everything has a role. But Mm -hmm. I just was like, damn, can I have some input in this role at least? Yeah, let's try to like work together to give it something a little more to keep you entertained, to keep people entertained, like from all aspects, it should be more collaborative. Or can we compromise on it? That would be my biggest word. Like, is there any compromise in here? And like, they would hate that word. Like uh, the dudes that I would work with because like I put them on the spot. I want to know like, yo, are you telling me that this is how it's going to be? Or can we like be creative and be like, make this awesome. Cause I don't want to put anything half at, like, I don't want to put out something that anybody could just hold a phone up and do. Like, I really want to put time and effort into my stuff and make it seem like it's totally different than any other luchador or any other, like not only luchador, but you know, that is my goal to be different than every other luchador, which I feel like I have, but also be different than everybody else out there. Like yeah. busting out content, talking, like I ask every promotion, please let me talk. Let yeah. me just cut a promo. I don't care if yeah. you, you use it. Let me just do it. I just want to make sure like, yeah, my voice is heard. I got a voice. I can talk. Yeah. I know I can. Let me just yeah. do it. How hard was it for you to come to the conclusion of asking for your release? I mean, you talk about the things that you have been through from giving up teaching, moving into professional wrestling. I mean, from your childhood to all these things of not having much and finally having this great paycheck. Was it really difficult for you to decide to to want to walk away from that? Of course, it's difficult to say, like, I quit, right? Because that's ultimately what I did. I quit. I said, this is not for me because y'all not fulfilling me creatively. The job was easy, Renee. The job is easy to be, for somebody who loves pro wrestling, the job is easy. But somebody who loves pro wrestling, the job is very frustrating. Because WWE is not a wrestling company. They are a movie company. But somebody who loves pro wrestling and understands that, and wants to contribute is frustrating. And I kept going home and bringing homework or like home back and taking that frustration back on my family and being like so secluded and just not wanting to be around anybody. And even like to the point of my kids, like they know not to watch my matches. They just like, they don't watch my matches. because like, daddy loses. Like, oh, that's so you know, sad. they don't, they don't, they don't like, they're just so numb to yeah. wrestling because of that feeling. Like, it, it is frustrating. And I was like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm not, I would never ever jeopardize my family's in like integrity and mood because I feel like I'm not getting what I deserve or what we deserve. Metallic was the first one to ask. I had a conversation with him that night. And like, we had the conversation too, me and, and homie, you know, the bosses to be about possibly leaving, especially when we had that conversation with Metallic. But I said, hey, this meeting right now is for Metallic. We'll have a, a different conversation separate. But uh, I knew because of that, my family was more important. My happiness was more important. My mental state was more important. And uh, creatively, I wasn't happy. 
How was that for you to have those moments of getting back to wrestling and back to being creative and like falling back in love with professional wrestling? Oh my gosh. I, so I've had four matches already and yeah. like a couple of signings, the signings I'm not really too fond of. Like, <laughs> I feel like that makes me like I'm done wrestling and old and I'm not there yet. But that first match back, I had it with my friend. I actually had it at my college. My college has a, a program growing after hours. You know, they have a program where they try to keep the kids out of trouble. And one of the nights they bring in wrestling and one of the old wrestling promotions out in New Jersey, I used to wrestle for asked me, Hey, do you mind having your first match back here? And I said, yeah, I would love to, because one is going to be with my friend and two, like it's a familiar spot and no, no time limit, no anything. So I could do whatever I want. Yeah, I'll definitely do it. And I'm not going to lie. I was blown up. I was like, <laughs> it was so cold in Jersey. I was like. Cause I hadn't wrestled since September or October, yeah. like three, yeah. four months. Like it was like, and a singles match. I was, I've been Woo! wrestling as a tag match for four years. Like give me a breather. there was four times that probably I was like, please give me a second. Hold on. But <laughs> it was, it was fun to just like let loose yeah. really like not care about like who does this, who does that? Like really just like, what's, what's going to be the style I want people to be like, that's cool. I want them to talk about my matches all the time. So it was just exhilarating. Who do you want to be now while you're out there wrestling? You said you're four matches in. Like, what are the different things that you're going to be bringing to the table and that, that you want people to take away from your matches? A hundred percent. I either want to start my matches with a promo or leading up to the, the, the match, you're going to hear a promo from me. I'm going to put something out there and it's going to look good. So that way people are like, damn, like, okay, then they should have let this guy talk the Get whole it. time. I'm legit. And there's not a lot of people who can say like, yo, they legit, but like, I'm legit. I love fighting. I love amateur wrestling. I love jujitsu. Right. And I want to bring that idea of like violence to my matches where it's like Lucha violence, yeah. where people are like that mix of like awesome Lucha Libre with violence. Like every time you see Lucha Libre, no offense to any of my friends, they're great athletes, but it's just like, it's Lucha Libre. There's nothing else different from that match to the next match and all that. But when you see somebody who can come in and like is legit and look legit and can do everything, I could do everything under the sun. I know I can. Yeah. I'm very smart with it. I'm very selective. But when you can see somebody who I like to call myself the Lex Luger, I'm the total package. Yeah. Like in the ring, outside the ring, like I will give you everything and everything. I have a side note. Um, What happened with you and that Izzy kid's dad? I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> well, because I truly like it was one of those things that it's not like I was like closely following anything, but I would see it pop up on like social media. I'm like, what's happening here? I don't like I know who she is. I remember her from NXT. But beyond that, I don't know what's happening. What happened? Let me start off by saying this is probably the first time I'm talking about it publicly. And this has nothing to do with no female. I don't I, if I ever have a problem. It's never with a female. Let me talk to the man. I always will talk to the man. Let me show you. I'm showing you respect by doing that. I, I don't ever want to yell at a female. Let me talk to the man. And uh, I also want to say before I go on that this has nothing to do with the wrestlers involved for the incident I'm about to talk about. Because I know what it's like to be a wrestler and hustle and make that money no matter what. Not on them. So now I was in WWE. I forget exactly when it happened. I want to say like 18 and his daughter took a choke slam in a ring. And I said, as a parent and a professional wrestling, knowing what it fucking feels like to take a bump, that's fucking dumb. I would never let my kids like do that. So if you think that's cool, hey, that's on you. I said, that's you. But my personal opinion, I think is wrong. 
Well, I guess he got butthurt about it, but I, you know, I don't care. I don't read, I don't read anything that's not in the verified page. You know, me and a couple other guys in this group chat and we find out like I had already asked for my release too, you know? And uh, I remember playing Call of Duty and I remember there being rumblings like there's going to be releases, there's going to be releases. So in that, I 100% thought I was going to be released. I was like, I'm cool with it because I asked for it. So let's go, let's do it. Got release, stayed off my phone, right? Because I, you know, I didn't want to complete disconnect. And then uh, the next morning I was going to the gym at 5.30 in the morning. And one of my boys had screenshotted what Izzy's dad said, saying, good luck in your future endeavors, smiley face, like basically poking me. I said, okay. And this was at 5.30. I said, seven o'clock in the morning, I'm going to tweet him, at him. So then I said, I want to be the first thing that this dude reads when he wakes up. 7 a.m., I'm going to tweet him where I'm going to be at. I'm going to tweet him, hey, let's come have this conversation like men. Come show up. Let's talk. I didn't say anything about fighting or anything like that. If you want to talk, please say this to my face, but understand there's consequences when you, when you talk. So this dude, I mean, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't honestly did not think anything of it because my brain was like jujitsu tournament. Let's go redemption. Cause I had my, lost my first tournament and I know the guy that I lost to is in this one. So I was like redemption, redemption. And I had that fuel of like, all right, I'm free from WWE. Like, I'm going to just go out there and like, hey, first word out of my mouth is going to be the F-bomb, like, because you couldn't do it over there. And like, like the next one, I'm, I'm going to just take out this dude. And then like, I just started my, my phone just blow up. Like, and I was like, what the heck? Like, my phone never blows up. I'm, nobody blows up Lindsay Dorado's tweet because they don't know they got, he's got a Twitter or they don't know he speaks English. So I don't, I'm not going to read what he says. <laughs> oh but on God. this day, they were like, I'm going to read it. And they were like, apparently this guy was an asshole to a lot of other dudes and females. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I know what it's like to stand up to bullies. I'll be your bully stand. Like, I'll be your shield. Like, I got you. Mm -hmm. This guy is done really being a piece of shit, uh, not only to me, but to all my friends and to wrestling in general. Like, I don't want to go to a show and be like, oh my God, this asshole is here. No, let's nip it in the butt. Let's talk. Let's just have a conversation because I'm not going to come in, in the same room with you and be fake with you. I'm just not doing that. So then I said, let me go buy him some tickets. I bought him four tickets, one for him, one for his wife, one for his daughter, and one for the ass whooping I wanted to give him just in case I wanted to give him the ass whooping. I took a picture of it and I tweeted him. I said, hey, now you got no excuse. Be a man, show up. You ain't got to pay for nothing. Let's fucking talk. That's all I want to do. Then this dude messaged me the same apology he put out on Twitter. And I said, no, you got to talk to me in my face. This, this bullshit, I don't, I don't have words I don't have words uh, through conversation or text. Come talk to me like a man to my face. And then he wrote hashtag apology. Then he put it out there and deleted a social. And at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? One for the good guys. Fuck that bully. We're done with him. Yes. And I just never, I never brought it up again because he's not worth it. Well, it's just unfortunate when people like feel like they can say whatever they want. And not only like the fact of like no consequences, but like, you're being really shitty to people that do read the things that you're saying. And like that fucking sucks, especially kicking someone when they're down. Like, haha, good luck in your future endeavors. It's like, dude, I don't care what wrestler you say you are. Every wrestler has some kind of mental thing when it comes to this. Like mm -hmm. it really does make them question themselves. Like there's a confidence, like everybody who is, I don't care if you're confident, you're always going to question yourself if you're in pro wrestling. And when you see pieces of shit like that constantly to you and other people, like at what point does somebody say, yo, stop that shit or else I'm going to knock you out. 
And I wasn't saying that I was going to knock him out because I don't want him to be like, oh, he said he's going to knock me out. Right. No, but I, I just wanted to have words. But it may have ended that way. I'm not going to lie to you. It's just like not, you know, it's like the example you're setting for your kid who is so into wrestling and she works really hard. And, you know, I want her to be successful. I want yeah. I don't ever want anybody because of some shitty mistake that their parents made. Yeah. Like I want her to be successful. It's yeah. just I just cannot support the idea of a child taking a bump. And if you don't like that yes. idea and you want to chastise me for years, just know that, yo, I'm going to get you, dog. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we got to clear that up and have that conversation because I was very curious what happened there. Um, you're a you've what else do you have going on? Your four matches in. When can people see you wrestle next? Every week I'm booked right now. I, besides uh, this week, I have a signing and one show, which I'm hoping that I could perform depending on how yeah. my leg feels. Yeah. Um, you know, I got some stuff coming up. I, I'm going to be focusing on some Mexico stuff. Um, PWX is a big thing that's over here in North Carolina. That's really good that I'm going to be doing their tournament for right now. I just, I really am like just looking at the landscape. I'm being very smart. I have to be smart because of my age and my body, mm -hmm. but, uh, I want to do wrestling school uh, we talked about that with the other luchas. I got some books coming up. I got a, you know, toy deal with Mass Republic that we're oh, about to awesome. put out because I wanted to put out my first action figure with my first set of gear that yeah. WWE never put out. So I was like, it's important for me to have that. Yeah. But um, wrestling wise, every week I'm doing something so they could check out www.luchalit.com. My schedule's right there every week. I had to update it. And I'm staying busy, Renee. Well, dude, it's so good to see you. So happy to see you just doing so well. Um, and thanks for, you know, telling your story. You've been through so much. Um, and to see just like the man that you are and the person that you are um, and that you you wear that stuff all on your sleeve is really cool to see. Well, I really do appreciate you uh, having me on. This was one of the only food podcasts I really wanted to be on. I was I was like, is she ever going to ask me? I hope she does. Uh, but I'm really glad that you did because you, you just said it. I wanted everybody to know, like, I'm not just a luchador. I am a man. Like, I really am a grown ass man with grown ass responsibilities and feelings. Like, yeah, there's more to me than just this mask. So 100%. I appreciate you having me yeah. on. I appreciate you coming on. It's, yeah, it's so nice to just see you and get to catch up with you and, and hear that other side and, and give people another perspective of exactly who you are and the things that you've been through. It's more than the mask, everybody. Damn it. All right. Well, go smooch up on those babies. Yes, ma'am. And you too. All right. Until John, I'll miss his ass and uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Awesome. Thanks, dude. A big thank you to Lindsay for taking the time and telling those stories and sharing so much about his personal life. I know it's not always easy to open up about this stuff, especially when you've been like pretty private about a lot of stuff for a really long time. It can be pretty nerve wracking to really let people in on the things that you have been through. And I, I, I can't say it enough, but like, honestly, the people that come on the show and trust me with these stories to give them a space to want to talk about this stuff and, and to have that platform. I love being able to have these conversations with people. I love being able to give that platform and yeah, and just getting into like the human side of who we all, all are. I feel like this just becomes like my therapy session or like I get to be like the therapist, which I am unqualified to do. Uh, but just as, you know, pals hanging out, shooting the shit. 
it's really really cool I hope that you guys enjoy these episodes and getting to learn more about these guys that you see on camera and one of, you know some of the stuff that they've been through and the struggles that they've had and the, the lives that they have because it's always very easy to see somebody on television and assume that they have some kind of charmed life or they've had a silver spoon or opportunities have been given to them and, and whatnot and more often than not that simply is not the case so it's really cool to be able to talk about that stuff so thank you to Lindsay for hanging out with me uh, guys, this has been it. We did it. This is another episode. This has been the sessions. 